You have found the Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike podcast, looking at mental health through a pop culture lens. All right, coming to you live from Memphis, <laughs> Tennessee. No, nope, we're not coming live. I just realized that wasn't the right way to say that. Hey, this is the Redhead Family Therapy Guy and a Mike. And this is episode three. This is going to be a good Whoa. one. Can you believe it? This is I monumental. I can't. Three strikes. It's crazy. And you're out. <laughs> Please stay on. <laughs> or listen Please more. Listen, yeah. Or share and tell everybody that it's yes. awesome. All right. So this is episode three, The Prisoner of My Own Head. Ooh, I like that title. Could you imagine what this could possibly be about? Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're talking about vulnerability and uh, shame in relationships or, mm-hmm. or the role of vulnerability in connection with the Harry Potter mm, universe. Man, that's some it's gonna deep be stuff. Good. It's going to be really deep. Deep. Harry Potter. Potter. Harry Potter. So what's one of your... Uh, so you're a book guy. You haven't really watched the movies, right? Oh, that's a good point. So I... Um, I have read the books, I think, three or four times. I'm, I'm, I, I, I kind of lose track. But here's the issue have, with me in books. I read a lot of books. Yeah. So my my retention is not very good. And that's why I'll read them again and again. No, it might just not, be my memory. I don't know. You shouldn't say that. You should say I read them so many because I loved it. They are awesome. I love me. I just like reading, to be that honest. That sounded cool. <laughs> this is for product, those listening product that placement. is john opening a soda <laughs> product placement for those watching well i i should dr. it's a dr pepper, pepper. <laughs> like i need caffeine <laughs> <laughs> yes john uh john has energy i have a mini i just like the minis because the like, minis are nice drinking I really a whole set it's too much it's too much so the mini's just nice it's like I, a little bit I if like i do minis. caffeine i I can't sleep. Seven ounces. It really takes oh, dude. a toll on me. I can drink a soda and go to bed five oh, minutes later. <laughs> I, I wish I could. Caffeine, it cracks me out. That's hilarious. The, uh, <laughs> cracks you out? <laughs> You're a crack addict on caffeine. The, uh, but yes, I have read Harry Potter books and I love them. Uh, the movies, so I have not seen all the movies. I don't know if that's... I think it's not great. Good to say. I think, no, I think it's great. I think it's going to give us a different perspective on what we yeah. talked about today. And we're so. kind of targeting, we're targeting, if you didn't pick up the reference, The Prisoner of Azkaban, yes, which is number, number five, five, right? So um, I have not read the books at all. They came okay. out when I was in graduate school mm-hmm. and I didn't have the headspace to sit down and read the books. So the cool thing was, though, is my wife, Nicola, she's a Brit and um, like the whole wizarding, and I love yeah. the whole wizarding fantasy. That whole thing is so cool. And so she would read it. I'm not even kidding you. And then she would sit and she would tell me about it for like an hour. She so, would tell me what was going on in the books. And so I'd be like, so okay, does sweetie, she what get happened? References from it that maybe I wouldn't get I because don't know. she's English, and and it oh, and that, a lot of it is that side. Yeah, because I don't know because yeah, even be even book one is Harry Potter and, and the Sorcerer's Stone, but right, the original title it. is the Philosopher's Stone. Right, they changed it for the American. Yeah, audiences. so I wonder. You should but ask her sometime why. and say, like, like you, did you pick up on things? Yeah. But she read I mean, the, she wouldn't. She may not know because. But she read the American version ones. I, well, I guess they just changed the titles, right? I think so. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe if someone knows if there's like more changes than the Comment. title. Yeah, let us Drop know. Drop us a line. Let us We're going to be blowing up. Harry Potter. So, <laughs> so what is your, did you, before we jump into mm-hmm. Azkaban, like, did you have a favorite book or or what, what about the Harry universe? Or that Harry yeah. Potter stories did you really dig? Man, I so one thing that both Heather and I like about the books 
is we feel like the humor comes out more in the books. There's mm. a lot of humor in, in you Harry can't Potter. Compare. You haven't seen the movies. And that's true of the movies I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Heather's seen them. <laughs> Uno. And she... <laughs> I So I think I've seen maybe one, two, three, and four about half of them. I've not... I don't think I've finished any one full Harry Potter movie except for five in preparation for... Our discussion. This amazing and discussion. And uh, five is... Uh, I love it. I just love it. It hit me so yeah. hard and the metaphors are so strong and it just personally... There's a scene, which we'll get to, that that just knocked my socks off. And so it just resonated with me really hard. You like five the most then? Or I really do. And and I really like five the most. And I was and I and I'm I don't don't hate on me, Harry Potter fans. I, I didn't I was frustrated a bit with like six and seven because five has such a dynamic, you know, duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore. And so I I was surely we're going to see that kind of intensity again in the movie. Mm. And I was a little frustrated with the last one or whatever, where they're fighting the, the last battle at um, Hogwarts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like they're shooting guns at each other instead of like magical spells being wielded against one another like it is in the Voldemort-Dumbledore uh, standoff. So, you, you know, I, I, I've not seen the, I guess it would be the eighth movie, right? Where yeah. they're, they're actually having that. Cause that's yeah. really, which I still end. love the movie. I thought it was fantastic. I, I've only, you know, I've only read the, mm-hmm. I've read book seven. So I remember, I'm trying to think, I remember, uh, book seven being like, I remember it being pretty grand, but I also, it's just, I remember like sadness too oh, right powerful, and yeah. so um so i'm not sure I, I i maybe i vaguely maybe the book is somewhat similar in that aspect i can't that remember it's more like they're just shooting guns at each other yeah i, I feel like there was exploding. a it's exciting it's yeah, cool i feel like there was a but i just felt like it would have been cool yeah i mean like they do a good job in that sense of like when harry potter and dumbledore like have like their jets of magical streams mm-hmm. shooting at each other as like a wall you know where um voldemort is his hork is lax horcrux is getting dealt with and then he over that's when harry overpowers in the movie that's when harry overpowers so let me ask you this we you know when we talk about different movies there's there's things that I'll bring up or things that you bring up. Sorry, when yeah. we talk about what movie we want to, to talk about. overview, yeah. there's certain movies I'll bring up because I'm like, oh, that means a lot to me. And 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 Harry Potter, I didn't really bring up the movies just because I hadn't watched them. I had the books, right. but we also we also want to cover books too. So we love uh, books. We're going to get there. Why did you think oh. Harry Potter? All right, well, it was really the scene. I'm going to, I might even get emotional. I'll try not to um, because it hits me so hard. And this is what I love about movies. This is what mm-hmm. I love about TV shows. It's, I don't just watch shows t- like for the entertainment value, which some of them I do. Like, I mean, I mean, come on, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine mm-hmm. is just hilarious to watch. It's fantastic. It's just funny. Or my wife has been watching The Office like fan ones because yeah, they have like really the extended episode. I think they're like 30 minutes or something. <laughs> so great. And so like some of that, but like when it comes to movies, um, like I'm really constantly, I can't get out of thinking about what we do and therapy and relationships and people. And that's why I love stories. Um, particularly like for instance, Brandon Sanderson, like, and Orson Scott card, um, some of my favorite authors, you know, that they deal with this heavy relational and, and the books, of course, you get the inner world that you can sure. never get in movies. 
Um, and so uh, I wanted to talk about this one because um, the moment for Harry Potter that really resonated with me was in Prisoner of Azkaban where um, he is, of course, as you know, he's been ostracized because of the propaganda around the return of Voldemort and yeah. from book four or movie four. And then, um, so he's being isolated there. I mean, you know, possibly like what happened to Cedric, right? Which right. Was possibly Harry yeah. like, making stuff up to cover right. that he yeah. hurt Cedric or, or didn't help him or something. Right. Didn't, st- you know, didn't which I think is him. impactful to, to kind of where Harry's at. Right. right. Because, he cared about Cedric and to be totally. told like, dude, was there something nefarious yeah. that happened? Like so we don't could, believe that would so hurt. Yeah. It Gosh. would be painful. Oh my goodness. It's so, I mean that, and that's a great movie too. And that whole thing, the tragedy of that was so profoundly yeah. well done. That's uh, in I the think movie Goblet too. of Fire. Yeah. Yeah. It was so mm-hmm. profoundly well done in the movie. So I don't know how it came across in the book, right? But, good. Yeah. It was, um, good. But so, so yeah, so you've got all that backdrop, right? And then um, he's there and we learn later that Dumbledore is keeping his distance from Harry because he's aware of or believe there's a connection because of the Horcruxes. And this is his five where the Horcruxes come out, right? Yeah. Where, where Voldemort can potentially like perceive or see through right. Harry can, and, and, and there's a concern, right? that Voldemort, Voldemort may gain information, information on the mm-hmm. inside because of Harry. And Harry is or did gain some information. And did the book yeah. portray that as purposeful on Voldemort's part or accidental? Oof. Do you remember? Just out of curiosity, but I don't know. Anyway, I don't remember. So anyway, so, you know, so Dumbledore is giving Harry the cold shoulder. And like, this is, I mean, Harry doesn't have a lot of people in his corner. I mean, the magic world, he does. He's got his incredible friend group. Um, but this has been strained after book four, right? Yeah. Um, so it's 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 really... Well, and there's all this propaganda too, right. which so, is gaining momentum. And, and so it's more the wizarding world, I think, is not backing him. Right. But he's got... You know, he's got um, Sirius Black who yes. has become this a figure, but he can't figure. be with him, which is mm-hmm. tragic and awful. And he still has to deal with the Dursleys. And, um, you know, he's got his friends that, of course, believe him. And, and the Weasley adoptive family, you know, Diana, which is such a cool yeah. aspect of the story. I just, it's so tender and sweet and cool. And and then I guess that's another thing that I relate to, you know, is like I went off to college and was reeling and, and discovering my identity and i had kind of a surrogate family i and, thought you were gonna say because they're redheads oh yes okay of course okay. well duh yeah I, I, unspoken yeah okay obvious okay. sorry but yeah. yes yeah um and they're decently cool particularly the twin brothers right like yeah, not like awesome. ron like we talked about last episode where the narrative of the redheads in modern media is pretty brutal you know they're either the bullies the twins are yeah the twins are cool they're awesome right so <laughs> and ron i like ron right but he, come on he's a little bit of a baby like you know i mean he grows up and he puts it on but the, many of the episodes he's snickering and whining and you know, kind of the, 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 ju- what's, what's, what's the I'm word I'm sure. looking for? Like the bumbling. Yeah. You know? I'm not sure he's portrayed. I don't, I, I can't remember in the, in the movies. Books. He is kind of the whiner, you know, it's yeah, like, like Harmonia, books. like knows everything and is this empowered girl, which is awesome. And, you know, Harry is just pure courage and, and, yeah. and just, you know, goodness, you know, sure. and where he's coming from, which is, you know, incredible based on where he's coming from. And so anyway, so, um, in the story, um, Harry gets a glimpse of uh, the Weasley dad. What's his? Oh, oh yeah. Um, um, yeah, I'm forgetting the Weasley dad's name. 
Mr. Weasley. Yeah. And uh, who is at the ministry. And um, and so he sees that he's, you know, in prison or mm-hmm. been kidnapped or whatever. And so he goes and everybody's taking it seriously and they're dealing with it and and all that stuff. And then like Dumbledore is not looking at Harry or acknowledging Harry. And clearly that's meaningful because Dumbledore is such an important meta, you know, metaphorical yeah, so they're um, kind of mentor. They're kind of doing like a little bit of an interrogation type thing with Harry, right? Yeah, and he's feeling, you know, and he's yep. feeling bad and he's seeing this and could it be real and he thinks it's real and and of course there's been the strain and stress of him having to deal with um Snape invading his mind and there's mm-hmm. all that going on. Yeah, that Snape's trying to to train him. Right. right to 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 protect himself or is that after? No, it's is it before? It's before or after? It's before, isn't it? Or wait, maybe that's a result of this. Is it? Actually, maybe yeah, maybe the be. training by Snape. The Harry Potter hardquarters are going to hate us. But Dumbledore, <laughs> but Dumbledore is he's like he's like into into the uh, kind of the interrogation part. Like not, it's interrogation might be a harsh word. But well, they're and then really they're making plans and they're like, hey, go check this yes. out. And hey, will you go check that out? And Harry's like trying to get Dumbledore to respond. He's trying to connect with him. He wants him to hear him. And, and he just screams, look at me. Yeah. And I remember like in the movie theater watching that, we were in the stadium seating. It was 3D and I was bawling dude like it just hit me so hard that feeling so invisible so unimportant by someone that i needed attention from somebody i needed like hear me like i'm trying to tell you something and i need you of all people because you're such an important figure in my life and in this world to to acknowledge me and 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 you know especially after the opening of book or movie five where you know he's used magic he's fight off the um, the Death Eaters, right? Yeah. And um, and he's he's at the ministry, and and Dumbledore shows up to defend him, and then just walks out on him, like defends yeah. him, and then just walks out on him, and he, you know it's such a, yeah. a, a a jarring start. And that's you know? so you're talking like right after the scene where he saves his uh, cousin, yeah, um, from not the Death Eaters, but the um, what are those? Oh, sorry, not the Death Eaters. Yeah, yeah. the 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 Azkaban um, guards. People, oh, gosh, we're pathetic. I know, this my is brain. unacceptable. But the Death Eaters are are like bad the people. Voldemort. Yeah, followers. sorry, I'm so sorry. This is the the, um, the skeleton dudes. Dude, we're gonna like have to pause and I edit know. this and look. Yeah. Like, should I look real quick? We yeah, go ahead and look. Because so while you're looking, um, I think you know this is Harry just really in in this this state of of feeling so alone, right? Feeling feeling lost, asking, um, reaching out for help, which takes courage. Because I think that oftentimes when we're feeling really vulnerable, the the answer is to, to maybe not do anything, to not say anything, or to withdraw. Mm-hmm. Or sorry, to withdraw or to, to criticize. So to not say anything, to withdraw, or to, to poke or to criticize. And in this moment, um, the Dementors, that's yes. what I was trying to think of. So sorry, um, fans. And I, uh, yeah, lost my train. So yeah, so he's with his, so he's, he's home and the Dementors yes. come to the world. Like they yeah. come to the muggle world and they attack. Right. And so Harry saves them. Right. And, and Harry, you know, does this to, you know, out of the kindness 
and, right. and genuineness because he's a good heart. person right and then he gets expelled or he's they're trying to expel him from right. school well they're and, trying to blame him well, and ridicule him and call and, him a liar right and then in epic like well and, and uh in movie three in asgarban like he sets his aunt or whatever into a blimpy status and they're like oh yeah no big, no big deal yep just kids being kids but yeah you save somebody's life and and protect them from the from the dementors and you're going to be expelled, right? Exactly. Because and of all he this has, propaganda. <clears throat> he has all this going on. And then he says this. So why why is that impactful to you? Why is him in that vulnerability, he, he reaches out and he does something instead of withdrawing. So why is that impactful? Well, I mean, for me personally, it's just it's about the fact that I, you know, I felt invisible, you mm-hmm. know. And so I really connected with that idea of being under duress and stress and the people that I needed to see me and know me and 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 guide me or help me, I, I felt like were out of reach or weren't hearing me. And so really the times where I get into fight or flight or emotionally escalated or deregulated and I lose my crap is, is often because I feel invisible and not seen. And so I have to slow things down so and stay connected. Shame my shame is, is I don't matter is that I'm invisible mm. and that I don't matter. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's not true, you know, and I know that wasn't even true from, you know, my family of origin and my parents and the things that they were struggling with and how that, you know, shaded or colored, you know, my growing up experience. My parents absolutely love me and they're and they're incredible people. Um even with the struggles and insecurities and and challenges that they, you know, that they had, um they you know, they were there. Yeah. And and they gave me enough. But I still was, you know, reeling and trying to make sense of, or am, even still now, I mean, it comes up. I mean, the times where that I'm, you know, the worst parent or the worst spouse are these times when I feel invisible. And so just seeing that and it all orchestrated within the fullness of that whole story really just hammered home, you know. Let me ask you this. We have shame. It presents and we can be aware that we have shame. Is that okay? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's right. Like all of us have it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, um, I, I, you know, this really, this whole idea of vulnerability and shame really crystallized. Of course, we have to give props to Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And and this is really where I, it all connected for me. I listened to her 20 minute TED talk, however long ago. I can't believe it's only at 60 million views, by the way. I went on to YouTube the only day, the other the, day. Is this the power of vulnerability one? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, it's got to be higher than that. I, I think she has a couple different ones. Yeah, but no, that one's been around for a long time. It's like, I feel like, does YouTube do that? YouTube, do you guys do that? Do you like reset when <laughs> somebody gets really high and you're like, no, no, it wasn't that high. I question it because ours say like 40 views. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure we've had a couple million. So I'm, I know, it's, it's got to be. I don't inaccurate. know how they aggregate those numbers. Like, surely. Come on, YouTube. Yeah. But anyway, so it was a 16, I was kind of surprised. But, but when I watched that, it was so affirming, right? Because it was like yeah. everything that I kind of in- intuitively had come to understand as a therapist, she nailed in 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, yes, yes. And so, you know, her articulating the necessity of vulnerability, you know, and it's interesting, right? Because that word is used to describe weakness. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're vulnerable. And it's like, no, like, yes, of course you are. Like, you can't not be vulnerable. So right? how does she articulate vulnerability? What would she say? 
Well, the way that in the in the TED talk that mm-hmm. she defines it is that, you know, vulnerability, well, one, she defines it as, you know, classically to be courageous is to kind of tell your story honestly, right? Yeah. That that's what courage is. And vulnerability to me is just the idea that you can be hurt, right? I mean, in the general sense, vulnerability is just the idea that you can be hurt. In the idea of shame, it's the, I mean, shame is the idea that I'm unworthy of love and belonging, kind of like what we had gotten to last time sure. with our Karate Kid discussion. Um, you know, that really is the heart of shame and, and really has become a universal aspect of what I'm thinking about and dealing with when I'm doing therapy. I mean, do you bring that in? I mean, is that something that's on your mind? Yeah, I think so. Have you read any of her stuff? I have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've read her Gifts of Imperfection one. Right. And I've read the blue one. I can't remember what that's called, but there's a blue. She has, what, four or five books, I think. She's got a lot. She's done a lot more. I, her I, blue one. I've her read. Daring Greatly is the one that kind of was succinct with um, when the TED Talk hit. Daring Greatly was the one. Um, and she had that. She has that program that I think is called Daring Greatly or on Netflix, or something like that. Yeah, I haven't watched or, it. Or like a there's a a like, like a course. Training. A course oh yeah, yeah. I looked at her. it. Um, she started to get big, and so it was out of my my week my yearly budget. So let me ask you this: Yeah, our, our continuing education <laughs> budget. With you, you mentioned shame, uh, but but with vulnerability, it's owning. Right, it's it's owning that story, being able to share that story. But the story is not the shame narrative; it's the truth narrative. What what does that mean to to own that story, to share that that story? Yeah, I, th- I think it's the idea that you know you have to embrace the story, right? The idea that you don't have shame and you're not talking about it just means you probably have the more of it because you don't want to talk about it. Because the reality is, it's the acknowledgement of weakness, right? And the acceptance of weakness, right? Because, and it's dangerous and you're in a greater risk to be hurt by not being connected and aware and articulate about your shame or about your weakness, right? Because if you are pretending it's not there, then it's going to blindside you in a big way, right? So you need to know that tenderness, you need to know that something is what I call it, and and I'm 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 working on a, I'm working on a book, and I call it the something mm-hmm. uh, that that idea, which I think would be her idea of the gift of imperfection, right? The thing that makes you human, the thing that makes you flawed, which is just a part of who we are. And so I think the vulnerability is is embracing that, yeah. and instead of hiding from it, running away from it, because that just makes everything worse. That plays into shame, right? The idea of like, well, if you see this and know this, you're gonna reject me, I'm not gonna be welcome. And, and that happens sometimes, you know? So I think, <clears throat> would, you, would you say in that scene, is there vulnerability present for Harry? I think so, right? Because imagine, I mean, he's gotta be confused about the fact that he has this connection to Voldemort, right? Mm-hmm. Which which really plays out, oh my gosh, they do such a great job of resolving or confronting that um, in the story, right? Do you remember the scene where, oh, it's so good. So, you know, he's running around, the Order of Phoenix group is running around and yeah. they're fighting the Death Eaters. You know, he's alongside Sirius Black, who's this fantastic figure yes. of like, 
irreverent love, right? Yes. Like the classic awesome uncle, right? Yep. That's like by your side <laughs> and like encouraging kind of misfit behavior. Yes. That's like good to like, you know, explore or whatever. And so he's side by side and, and he even is like connecting with his sense of best friend that he lost. And then he gets killed by Beatrix, yeah. right? And so uh, he chases her down yep. and it's fascinating. This is such a face of evil, right? Where the books, I think, um, allude to a greater relationship between Beatrix and Voldemort. Like maybe they had a romantic relationship or something I, like that. I somebody, don't I don't remember. know if that's true, but maybe. somebody, I could I be reaching enough. Harry Potter fans, forgive me if I'm way off because I haven't read the books. But, but, um, but you know, it's like there's this sense of inner circle, and she's in the inner circle yeah. of Voldemort. Yes, that is. And Harry's there, and Voldemort's like, do it. Yeah, because he wants him. It's kind of like. Palpatine trying to push Luke mm-hmm. to the dark side. He's like, yeah, embrace yes. that. Like, come this way, right? Like, yes. you're a powerful guy. I'll make a tool of you. Because he doesn't even care about her. He yeah. This is the problem with evil and those that are not vulnerable, those that aren't figures that welcome and are going to maintain and value attachment. You can't have trust, right? There is no trust among thieves because... Yeah at any point when it becomes worthwhile to them, they'll cut your throat and take it from you, right? And so here it is, right? He wants Harry more than he wants Beatrix, and so go ahead and kill her, right? So the scene plays out. This is so powerful. The scene plays out. Voldemort and Dumbledore are doing their thing. It's such a cool scene, I mean, visually and what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's so cool how they counteract each other. I love all of that, just in the D&D kind of stuff that's going on. And then, you know, Dumbledore's holding his own, so Voldemort starts to, uh, you know, try to put Harry in danger with the breaking glass, and and Voldemort or Dumbledore's like, get out of the way, Harry. And so then, when it seems like it's tilting in the favor, or maybe Voldemort's getting frustrated with the fact that he can't up Dumbledore, he goes after Harry. Yeah, and he possesses him. Yeah, and they do such a great job, like representing that in these flashes of scenes, right? Where he identifies with the isolation, with the shame, with the darkness. Do you remember how that's portrayed in the books? I don't remember how it's portrayed in the books. I can't, I I can't remember. So, especially if they're just watching the movie, it's, I can't. You're just, you're seeing the, yeah. yeah. So, so right. So there's all this isolation. There's this loneliness. There's this sense of abandonment, orphan, abuse from aunt. Yes. Not being cared for. You're the misfit. People don't understand you. You know, you've done bad things or want to do bad things or frustrated and want to do bad things. That's why I wonder if the eternal dialogue, the internal dialogue of Harry is kind of going down that road. So then Dumbledore you know, like the, the sage wise, um, you know, figures of guidance, you know, mentors says it's not how you're the same. It's how you're different. Yeah. And then, Oh, like he remembers being with his friends laughing. He remembers the embrace of Sirius Black. Like I have family that love and know my parents. And, and then he's like, he gets it right. He's like, Oh, you'll never know love or friendship, you know, that warmth. And there's that stun. Like in that moment, to me, I guess it's pivotal because to me, that's where he defeats Voldemort. Yes. Right? Like the tide Well, I mean, that's when the separation happens, right? Voldemort separates from him and and, uh, poofs away. But I mean, I'm even suggesting- Oh, you mean, yeah, long-term. I'm Mm -hmm. suggesting that's the seed of the defeat of Voldemort, right? Because that's the only way- 
fear, I think, within Voldemort. Uncertainty right. that he can, that maybe he can overpower. Well, this is the problem of evil, right? Evil only can maintain the top of the hierarchical structure by wielding control and power and, and dominion. Right. I mean, like, for instance, I was fascinated in the story or in the movie. It's I think it's the eighth one where they're at the bridge, you know, before. um, Is it is it uh, the goofy, black haired, tall um, kid that gives Harry the gillyweed in uh, in the cup one? Uh, He blows up the bridge, you know, he lights the bridge and it blows up in there at the thing. And because like they're rushing down. But so like Voldemort. Um, gets weakened because one of the Horcruxes get destroyed and he like mm -hmm. stumbles Mm -hmm. and the guy like reaches, one of his like underlings reaches out and he kills him. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm trying to support you, but because Voldemort can't be seen as weak, he kills the guy. It's like, there is no friend. There is no like pretend, you know, friendship or support or alliance. It's, I'm in charge and I'm the, you know, I'm the top of the hierarchical structure because I can destroy you. Well, and I think that that brings up an interesting point in something that you had alluded to earlier, you brought up trust. And, and I think that that's a really powerful, powerful concept to understand that vulnerability breeds trust, which breeds connection and connection heals right yeah. connection oftentimes so, is the answer how do you see connection like in regards to EFT and and some of the uh, stuff that you've done like how do you see connection as the healer of trauma cuz absolutely vulnerability has to be there right this is the thing that Brené Brown articulates so well is like to be able to succeed to be able to learn to mm-hmm. be able to say i love you to be able to go to th- therapy for the first time or do therapy for the first time you have to put yourself in a position of vulnerability right so if you don't embrace vulnerability you can't ever dare greatly you can't ever do a great thing if you don't risk failure and ridicule right so in the context of eft or attachment that your mind goes to it seems like what do you see as the role of vulnerability and connection and why do you see connection as the healer of trauma. So I think, I mean, con, you know, oxytocin, the cuddle hormone, love hormone is released through connection, whether that be physical connection, eye that, contact. Do you think that like rewires the brain? The release of the hormone? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, did you see, do you think that the the wounds that happen emotionally get stored in the physiology of the brain or like there's neuron connections that I would aren't think so. there? And so then by like positive yeah. regard and affirmation in a positive way versus the trauma that happens, then you, you think it re- rewires? I think so. Well, you think about like uh, compulsive behaviors, addictions, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you can see that through, um, through, through distance of time or, or f- you know, a, a gap in time, we can, you know, we see that the brain can, can reset, right? The brain can come back to it's happy place or whatever we want to call it where, where you're not needing, you're not having those same hormonal urges or, or the the same releases. So I would say, I think so. I I mean, I don't know. I'm, I've, well, I've wondered that, right? Like, but I would think so. I've wondered like what happens when, you know, it's interesting how 
I'm sure you've experienced this where clients will, there are these moments that will crystallize and they'll have this shift of perspective and like everything can change dramatically, right? Yes. Like we, we hope that these moments happen. A lot of times change takes time and it's worked and it's disciplined. Well, and the and, key is to have that breakthrough, but then to have it again and to have it right. again. And I think that supports this idea of a rewiring of the brain because it's the repetition and the cons consistency through having that happen again. But don't you think it's the moment becomes so profound where somebody breaks through that, that it's so profoundly evident that then they have like faith to continue to try, even if it's bad versus it's like, it's like a, a real switch is flicked, right? Where I think they go think from a place a of I'm not worthy. That, right. I think that, I think there's a spectrum of that. Cause I think that, yes, well, I guess, I don't know. At some point, yeah, maybe a, a flip, but maybe it's more gradual than that, right? I, well, I think typically I was just speaking to the yeah. moments where, I mean, I'm sure you've had cases where people have a dramatic moment sure. and they really like do something different. I mean, yep. usually it's my wand. I only take it out on special occasions uh -huh. and I cast my spell of healing. What What is that spell? Can you do it for us? <laughs> no. Can you, can you name secret. it? No, if I do it, then <laughs> why would people come to see me? Well, I mean, that doesn't mean they can do the spell. <laughs> they might be able to say the spell. Well, They've got to have magic. You, you have to go to school to get the magic. <laughs> That's right. The degree. Yes. The Once paper you're gives awarded you the, magic. the 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 degree. Yes. Oh my gosh, that was such a big day. Did you? Was that a big day for you? The day that you uh, graduated? The, no, that you got the license. You're like the gra oh, yes, the graduation. license. Yes. Because here's the thing: the brutal honesty. The degree means nothing. I can't do anything with the degree. I need the license. The license is what means everything. So, so it took it took it's the me, gateway to get the license. Yeah, it, it, it's a part of the process. But the the, the schooling it doesn't matter anymore because you can just coach. Yeah, that's true. Life coaching that well, I, I'm not going to say that's true. Don't, you I'm, should go I, to I'm a not licensed hating, professional. I'm not. But hey, dude, coach on if you want. Here's go the see thing. people if you want. Okay. You can pay people to do whatever you want. I think yes. I can I can vividly remember the feeling I had when I uh passed the clinical exam, which I had to do after my hours were accumulated, oh. and then also the same feeling I had when the license came in the mail. Oh, that was the moment for you was when the license came in the mail? More so when I passed the exam, because for the LCSW exam. The clinical exam, I actually had to wait five years post-grad to take it. Yeah. Well, you take an intermediate. So, so social workers take – there's different levels Dude, of licensure because social workers can do I different things. I can't. Look, the the secret pathway for social workers to licensed clinician is it's it's just different because social workers do <laughs> we don't need to go like they them. do different things, right? Yeah, they they gotcha. can do different things. Not that we're special or anything, but we can do different oh, you're things. Special. So very, you have an very intermediate master's license and then you have your clinical or your mm -hmm. advanced licensure, your independent license. Mm -hmm. Um and so different states kind of have different rules, but I actually transferred mid supervision from Nevada to Illinois. And I had to restart. So it ended up taking me five years total <sighs> until I could sit. And so when and and so the way it works, it's the ASWB exam. You take it and your results are instantaneous. You don't have to wait. Wow. Which is different, right? I, I think LMFT, I think you have to No, I wait. came in the mail. Yeah, you have to yeah. It's like two weeks. I'm like, yep. seriously, this is like twenty whatever it was. Yep. Eleven. So, 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 I'm like, really? You got to mail it to me? Really? So the clinical exam, it's just right there. It's all, you know, it's on paper. You can walk out the I mean, door. I mean, it's on, on computer. Pass or fail. And they tell you, 
and seeing, I remember clicking the button and closing my eyes and I couldn't open them. <laughs> I would have got off and walked away. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember opening my eyes and seeing the green and I feel like, what does that mean? <laughs> I think I had to check. I don't think it said anything. I think it just said it. That's it, it was checking green. That was you. And I remember just thinking, You're illegal now. holy crap. And check. I remember the feeling of just how can life get better? <laughs> And and I'll tell you this: the grueling nature I, of licensure. I, my wife and I, it took us eight years to get pregnant. We had to go for through fertility, so we didn't have kids yet. So I hadn't experienced that. Okay, I had experienced no, proposing dude. my wife and hey, being married. I had which is kids, huge. and it was still a, a, a sensational day. It it was big. Um, I don't. What was your question? I can't oh, I was asking. Now. I'm so I'm in the no, nostalgia was, of my <laughs> my green check mark. I took, I, <laughs> the affirmation from the universe yes. that I was good. That I can oh, that I'm good enough to, place to help people, maybe. The therapeutic <laughs> mental. Go forth and check other boxes. And then the longer I'm a therapist, I realize yeah, I don't really need all that. So education. um I think I was asking um like when was that moment or did you remember yeah. that moment? Because it was really significant for me. So we had to and I didn't know this. You could have taken the AMFT previously, I don't know if it's changed. You could take the AFT exam after you have your degree uh, but i didn't know and so like it, i would so probably waited too yeah i would have done better if i was just taking it right out of yeah. school i really regretted it but um and there's a long story i won't tell you all that uh, or save it for another podcast <laughs> but um so th- my next step was there was also a tennessee exam which was kind of a bummer because it had been a case presentation like you go before the board oh, okay. and i wasn't really yeah, different i wasn't states are different i wasn't that. nervous about that i mm-hmm. i was actually thought it would be fun to sure. present a case and be articulate about it and get asked questions i thought it'd be fun mm-hmm. so i wasn't nervous about that but then they changed it and like i had to take another test oh so and they I was didn't like, do the oral you had to no, do like a it changed that year and i was like what oh. and so then it was like i got this thing and it was like oh no we're changing it um, you've got to come to Nashville and take a test. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. Sucks. And so I was like sweating because I had a little bit of a process. I, I failed the AM, the AMF, the national AMFT exam. I, fa- I failed it by literally one question. Yeah. Like one yeah. point. Like it was I, like two points. I right? failed the clinical exam the first time I took it. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so anyway, so, um, I go to Nashville. I take, mm-hmm. the, I take the exam and there was like 10 of us or something like that. And it was like, dude, it was like ninth grade. It was like bubble like paper. It wasn't even like on a computer. A scantron. <laughs> Seriously, it was like a scantron. I'm not even joking. Did you take it? No, it wasn't. Pencil? No, no, it wasn't even a scantron. It was just like a packet of papers. <laughs> and like Susan, the a secretary at the board licensure for Tennessee was like, yes, yeah, in this room. And, and then like, after you're done, give it back to me. And I was like, so when will we know? She's like, I'll give you a call. Oh after I, t- after goodness. I, after I go through them or whatever. And I was like, real i was like okay i'm like do you have my number she's like yeah you know like checked it or whatever so i'm like like oh, when she's like well she's like maybe it will be today it will no she was like oh well you'll get it in the mail she's like but i'll do it she's like i could give you a call maybe and i was like but she winked at me like i'm gonna call you and so i was like oh my goodness right so we're in nashville the kids were back with someone who lived in east tennessee mm-hmm. and we were in nashville because i take in nashville and so like we went to the zoo yeah. Because we was like, we got to do something. I think we went to the movies. Did she call you that day? Hold on. So we go to the zoo uh-huh. and we're walking around the zoo uh-huh. and like, you know, my flip phone. Yeah. Is it that old? <laughs> I think it was actually. It's like 2010. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been pretty yeah, I think smart iPhone phones. was what? 2010, yeah. 2009. Yeah. So like, yeah, like the flip phone rings. I don't recognize the number. I open up. I'm like, hello. 
And she's like, you passed. And I, I'm not even kidding. I think we were in the entryway of the Nashville Zoo and I just bawled. I just started to cry. And my wife like gave me a big hug because it was like yeah. all of this. I mean, like, you know, we were poor and it's like, yeah. can I get a real job? And, uh, you know, it was just it's this, stressful because if you don't so have the stressful. license, yeah. you can't nope. do it. Like nope. the license is everything. Um, but yeah. All right. Anyway, big sidebar for... Uh, like, but it's so, relevant to vulnerability. So vulnerability and connecting with in connection. Yeah. So yeah. Vulner, vulnerability builds trust, breeds trust, and and breeds connection, which which connection leads to healing. Right. It, connection releases oxytocin. Oxytocin research shows oxytocin, the hormone oxytocin, heals heals. So all do types you see of that? Like, do you see that? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, you're good. So do you see relationships as a key component of people healing and growing? Like the, to, to me, that's like the role of friendship. That's the role of, I, I really see like the marriage relationship. Definitely. I think this is why you see that animals can be healing also because you mm -hmm. can have a relationship with an animal. You can receive connection. Now, I, it's a low level can, connection. But can, yeah. Can you get the same no. amount of connection from someone who who can communicate verbally? Because well, you need more. affirmation and, and, and acknowledgement of who you and are. Can right? build, yeah. So, yeah. so no, but but I, yeah, you get you get healing through connection with others, and so I think that for me, what I find is that I I strive to be vulnerable in session, right? I strive to if I'm not sure, I'll say I I'm not sure. Help right. me. Yeah, bring me, bring yeah, I'm not me sure along because I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what to do here. I'll just say it because if I do that, I I feel like that vulnerability builds trust. Yeah, they're not just gonna they're gonna believe right. when I say something maybe hard yeah. or something good about them. They're gonna I think believe that more because I've been genuine, right? I've been vulnerable with them, and so um, I think that yeah, with if we're gonna heal shame, I think vulnerability is key. Yeah. And, and I think that its vulnerability is key in, in, in not just healing shame, but building the connection, which also can in turn heal shame. How do you talk down the idea that vulnerability is bad, right? Because like, particularly with guys, yeah. especially guy guys are like, dude, you know, I mean, one thing they're coming to therapy, but then it's like you're encouraging them yeah. to be vulnerable. And it's interesting that men typically do that developmentally you know, men start to become more vulnerable and emotionally engaging uh, past 50. It's a developmental stage that they yeah. enter into when they like kind of reflect on their life and they ask themselves what matters and they've done their career stuff for good or bad. And then they're saying, okay, I'm at the end of life. Now, a lot of times we've got grandkids, like mm -hmm. what matters? And they'll start to emotionally engage more at that age. But, but what do you say or how do you manage um, when people are resistant to the idea of, because it's like, well, I could get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I can get hurt. It's scary. It's hard. It's so how do, what do you what do you when you're in therapy with somebody and they're like, but that could not I go self well. Self-disclose. So you just talk about different things that you've been through that have been hard. I do. I do because I don't because it is true. How can I expect someone like? How can I say be vulnerable and they're like, what? No, I don't think so. So, oh, so you'll but be I'm vulnerable. not vulnerable. So strategically, you're like, okay, I'll be vulnerable. I'll tell you something if yeah. it's hard or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's tough. And I right? share stuff. Like I, yeah. I'll share like stuff that's yeah. real. I I, yeah. I hope they believe it's real, but it's real. I yeah. don't make it up. 
No, so it's so it's a strategic way of of just being like, hey, this is modeling, the real me. right? Modeling, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also a way to connect, right? Like I've been through this hard thing too. I really can relate. Well, if I can be fear. vulnerable with them, then they can trust more, me. right? Yeah. Maybe that can give them so the that can and be the an example to... relationship. Yeah, because that's I mean, what's the research constantly shows, right? That one of the most therapeutic things, or one of the most helpful things about therapy process, is the relationship yeah. with the therapist, right? Especially if I can connect with them first yeah. on something that they identify with. And I think that's what's one thing that I think is good in life is to be versatile in interests, right? Right. Be, you be, don't have like, any engaged. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, if you I can mean, tell you're, I like not, everything. you're not really, you're kind of boring. I mean, dude, <laughs> do you know what's I, hilarious? I, I, I came over here to, we're here at the studio, we're at the Memphis studio. And I came in your house, I haven't even talked to you about this. I came in your house, like the, the last time we were here, we, uh-huh. I was like, Dude, you have a huge air compressor. Like, when did you? What do you have that for? You know what I mean. So Michael I, is awesome at yeah. getting excited about something and learning <laughs> everything there is to know about that thing, and then buying the thing that has the most value within that realm of things. I yeah, I have a lot of interests. I, I you get real excited. I do. I find things just so fascinating, interesting, and I think that is part of it. Right. Because if I can connect, so if I have like a guy's guy, like if he's talking about restoring, I've, I've done frame off restoration. That's why I have an air compressor for my 64 Chevy that I had that I was right. That's right. Yeah. I had the whole truck and I, you know, I've worked, I've I've seen pictures. If there's like a car guy, dude, you're done. I don't, I don't know everything, but I know enough to have a, 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 yeah, to talk. So I'll just be like, Hey, talk to me. That's cool. Which is fine. Yeah, no. Which is fine. But but I think if we can connect with them to to show, hey, I I can identify with this person sure. and then I can model. Right. I think that helps. Yeah, I think it's great that you're well versed in the top speed skaters in the world. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Apollo. <laughs> Still can't believe you dropped that. I was like... Bro, what are you talking about? I do like Olympics a lot. <laughs> I like a lot of things, like like we discussed. No, well, cool. even like cycling, right? Dude. Cycling became huge <sighs> for you, what, like seven years ago? Dude. And I remember we were at a regional training, and you were talking cycling, and I was like, oh, I know cycling. <laughs> I just started talking <laughs> about cycling, because I, 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 I just, oh, there's I lots, of, my bike, lots of interest. So oh. let me let me throw this out. Yeah. In uh, the movie, Luna. So Luna is kind of- uh, Loopy. Yeah, right. She's, she's an, uh, an out head. there type of character. She's, like, uh, oh, she's fantastic. The actress is fantastic too. She is a model of vulnerability to me. Yeah, she just lives it. She does breathes it. Not she even does. a care in the world. Just like a naive wisdom yes. of how you have to be. So much so that people think she's nuts, and, and she's not. Prior to this moment that you're talking about. Harry and her have an interaction where she models vulnerability. She talks about oh, yeah. losing her uh, mother. Right. And talks about how that's why she can see the horse, invisible horse how things. How dare you not use the appropriate yeah. name for that creature? Yeah. You're going to get <laughs> Correct torched. me in the comments. <laughs> like I said, torched. I don't know everything. Hardcore fans, look, look, we like a lot of things. We're not necessarily over the She calls hardcore. them the invisible horse things. No, really? Yeah, I'm quoting that. No. Yes. I don't know. So the invisible horse things. <laughs> so, quote, quote. Quote, unquote. Unquote. <laughs> there, I could. Uh, um, don't. Lobbles. 
What? So the lava lols what are you, that she's you can't talking make up new words for Harry Potter. I just Potter. did. <laughs> I mean, this is the genius of uh, of the author that she like. Yeah, who's so the author? It. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Give me exactly. a break. Who's the author? <laughs> it's so late. the lava lols. I need another. I need our, another. <laughs> so she. I. I love this. Right. I love. You need another. We need a product placement. No, I John need another Doctor Pepper. Dr. Pepper. I'm worried that I'm getting old. And then I'm forgetting things. Well, I mean, yeah. All right, we're getting old. All right, sir. It's happening. You can have some Dr. It's Pepper. Hard, dude. I'm not, I'm Sponsor is accepted. Just let us know. Okay, so she... So Luna models... And the, oh, good, <laughs> good. Now, what's the I invisible know, horse there, name? I don't have any idea so, what the name of the horse. J.K. Rowling I can barely author, remember... Though. Dementor. I mean, for crying out loud. It's like the most beautiful, wonderful name of a flying dark sheep. They were so terrifying and wonderful. And I can remember Dementor as a Death Eater. Dementor. That's awesome. So in the movie, there's a scene before Harry has um, this the the uh, see me scene, right? The the reaching out in pain. So he has this interaction with Luna where she's vulnerable and she's like, hey, we can see them. Because we've seen, because we've experienced death yeah. of a loved one, and 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 that vulnerability, I think, is a model to Harry, right? And I think I don't, I feel like that builds trust, like oh, yeah. their relationship changes. And then she says something that I felt like is really profound, and I think I mentioned this to you the other day. Um, she says something along the lines of, "Hey, um, after she's kind of been vulnerable with him and kind of built some of this trust, she says to him." I like I see why Voldemort Voldemort is attacking you. I, I see mm. why he's trying to get people against you because if he can weaken you, then that's that makes it that much easier for yeah. him to regain power yes. to take over. Yeah, because he's the he's the thorn in the side, right? I mean, yeah. he's the child who lived. He's the thing that defied all of his power. Really, which really is the love of his mother, right? Isn't the, that the metaphor? That yes. it's the love of his mother that protects him from the evil. But then he becomes fused to that evil because of the loss and trauma that he went through. Yes. In uh, receiving that curse and he becomes attached to it. I mean, gosh, I mean, J.K. Rowling hits it out of the park with the depth of, of all the different places that can go. You know, I mean, he ends up- It makes you wonder, like, and, with some of these authors, gosh, so do well, they, they, they just experience it themselves or they they do really good research or they I think have- that, Well, I mean, that's the beauty of stories, they, right? This family. is why we love these stories is because they're teaching you something that's yeah. true. You know, that's the importance of story, which comes back to this notion of, of what we were talking about in the last episode in your own story, right? Because- mm-hmm. There are real villains. There is a dragon out there that's trying to eat you and destroy you. And if you go confront it, you can come away wounded. Mm -hmm. Like difficult situations that you try to confront that don't go well, you end up hurt and broken. And sometimes you lose a limb or you're not capable to do other things after. I mean, things can break you. I mean, that's a real thing. This is real life, right? I mean, and so I think that that's why it's so important. Like we need these stories. That's why I think the Marvel movies are so incredibly successful and powerful because the hero story is so important and true. Mm -hmm. It's so evidently true. I mean, that's why I love them. And I love looking at them through the the lens of chaos and order and, and good and evil. 
and and are profoundly enjoyable for me and why I love these stories in particular yeah. because they really help you understand evil and understand how you have to be in relationships. It's the hero story, right? We need the hero's journey. Yeah. We need an archetype to follow, to embrace. You know, people, I mean, for us, you know, it's, a, it's faith, you know, and I think that uh, with the loss of faith in a kind of a real way, in, 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 at least in America, um, these stories become another ar- ar- archetypal opportunity for these truths. Sure. And, and we need them. To build hope. To build hope, right? Yeah. To believe that Thanos can be deceived. There are Thanoses in the universe yeah. and in, on the earth, and can they be overcome? Or and Voldemort's. Or Voldemort's. If we want to stay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we don't have to. We we can go to Marvel some other time for sure. Um, And so I think it's just really essential, um, you know, and and that's what's beautiful and powerful about these stories. I agree. And I think that this story just knocks that out of the park in that message of, you know, it's not how you're the same, it's how you're different. And the way that we have to be different is we need friendship. We need love. And vulnerability you can't have connection without vulnerability. Like, what I do agree. we have as friends if we haven't shared our story? Like, yeah. I mean, we can share our love of the car or the bike, which we do, but it's like when we're engaged in those pastimes, like when we spent hours on the bike, like we were talking, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, when we're knocking miles out on our trek across when Illinois. When we talk about now. the stuff that is scary to talk about, yeah. that it, there's pain there. Yeah. And I, Feel you listening, do, right? Do, That's where the friendship. Do grows. you find like people? It's interesting. People ask me all the time, like, I don't know how you do what you do, you know. And there is a part of it that is heavy and exhausting, you know, to hear and connect. But is there like, do you do you get invigorated? I mean, you get worn out, but do you get invigorated by having that connection? Oh yeah, <clears throat> it's very healing because it's healing. There, you know, connection breeds oxytocin it breeds healing and so it is is it tiring and draining yes but it's healing yeah and it it is you know i will get excited i will get invigorated now the times that are hard and really draining is when you have a bunch of sessions and like it's not not much has gone on it's not happening yeah yeah like people won't let you in or you're trying to knock on the door you You have a bunch of tough you're trying to connect and their trauma is keeping them and you're trying to find the way in to be like no no it's okay like you can it's all right you know and navigating some of those things you you know you do carry some of the the weight to to be with them right to help them through that process not that not that we're living it, but but there's emotions. Well, to the degree. Well, this is the point that Brene Brown makes about empathy versus sympathy, right? That three yeah. minute video. Look it up. Brene Brown's empathy versus. It's so profound that you know sympathy is like you know trying to give it a silver lining, like oh that's bad, but at least this. Yes. But you know empathy is where you allow yourself to either connect with past trauma that mm-hmm. connects you or relates you to that trauma. Or you, or you know, in my case, I I really can kind of imagine, you know, like, I mean, every time I'm in a session, not every time, but a good amount of the time when I'm in a session where somebody is disclosing and sharing with me how they've been betrayed by their spouse, for me to connect with them, I'm imagining what my experience would be like if I was getting similar news or discovering something for myself, and it's devastating. Yeah, to empathize with that, but that's. That's what it means to bear one another's burdens, I think. And I think that's where connection happens. You're not trying to fix it. You're not trying to make it better. You're just like, oh my goodness. And I think that's when, you know, you look at those that are are hard to be vulnerable, uh, are are struggling to be vulnerable or scared to be vulnerable. If you can find what the pain is. 
Well, and this and then is identify with it and then conjecture that, right? right. That's this, where this is one of the points works. that that was profoundly made, I think, or or I think Brene Brown so profoundly makes in her TED talk. She says, "Look, this is one of the things." She's like, one of the things that she said she found through the research. She calls the people that have a sense of love and belonging. She says she calls them wholehearted in that video. I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the backdrops of one of her books, if I remember correctly. And she she talks about how you know, the thing that the people that were courageously vulnerable understood was that you had to embrace that pain for the opportunity to feel joy. That if you numb and say, well, I don't want to feel pain, then you hedge the opportunity to feel joy. You can't feel one and not the other. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a feeling life, you're going to have a life with lots of joy and elation and connection, but you're also going to have heartache yeah, because you've got to open yourself to that connection when those connections are broken yeah. or severed because of your own bad judgments or bad decisions or because of decisions other have made and you get an attachment injury. It's horrific and painful. Like it's real, yes. you know, and you can't have one without the other. And that's one of the things that she really deeply articulates that I think blew my doors off because it's like, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see, right? We see people being guarded and yeah. they're unhappy and they feel alone. And it's like, yeah, you and feel alone. I need to open up. And they're like, no, no, yeah. last time I did that. And it's really fascinating to me. I understand it. I'm not belittling it. But it's fascinating to me that people will judge all of humanity on one bad actor in their life. You know what I mean? Like, I I get it. Like, it was your dad. Or I get it. It was your high school sweetheart. Yeah. And that's traumatic. But it's like, that you're going to punish everybody else? Well, and the thing that happens is that, so that person in their life, right, that's their Voldemort, then becomes their internal Voldemort. Yeah, that was right. I I was thinking about that in regards to... um, uh, what are the black sheep monsters called? The Dementors? I was yeah, wondering like if we're our own Dementor. Yeah. We are. We're our own Voldemort. We're our own Dementor. We're, we're and, our- then, and then consequently, we have to be our own caster of the Patronus, right? That's the thing that's yeah. really fascinating about. That's in um. Is so what is Azkaban? the Patronus? What yeah. is the Patronus? In the movie, or what are you just for us? metaphorically? Yeah, metaphorically. Well, I think Asgarban um, is is beautiful because you know Harry's like, it's my dad. Mm-hmm. There he is. You'll see it. Here he is, and then he's standing there. He's like, oh crap, it's me. And it's isn't that fascinating? It's a fascinating concept that he saved himself and this this guy that he loved, or just had hope of like, I have someone, and his idea of love. Do you remember what the memory was that allowed him uh, to? to cast such a powerful Patronus that that chases away the darkness. I don't. Which one is that in? Is that in four? That's three. Oh, three. That's Azkaban, right? Three is Azkaban. Is and it? Because so, when he's working it? with Lupin, Lupin, like he's learning to cast the Patronus because they, they, yeah. they do it with the Boggart, right? Like and the Boggart takes on your fear. And so when the Boggart pops out, is it with his? Is it a memory with his dad or with his mom think, and dad? I think it. Well, because it's in book three, right? So it was before. Um, the it was before the cup where he sees mom and dad, which is such a powerful scene as well. When yeah. when all of his loved ones are around him and, and mm-hmm. protect him for this moment from Voldemort, so he can get away. Like how cool is that? Yes. Right? This idea of of the positive messages and the idea of family and an eternal uh, an, an eternal connection or a, a, a historical connection to your past yes. can create space to get away. Yeah. You know this notion of identity, this uh, this notion of self. And the fact that their voices and their 
presence is in your mind and in your heart or around you is just supremely powerful. But so it's before that because it's book three. So I think he said, I think he said something about it's a sad memory, but a good memory. So I think it was some kind of memory of connecting with his mom or dad. Yeah, I, can't remember. I don't remember what happens in one or two that allows that opportunity, but he says that that, cause he's like, it has to be a happy memory. Cause he said, is the it first just time, the memory of his mom? Yeah, maybe saving like something or, or something. Yeah, I don't remember it. I have to go back. I feel yeah, bad. I can't remember. I remember. But anyway, so that's a really powerful idea though, right? That a positive memory of joy is what allows him to cast the Patronus that chases away yeah. the dementor, right? And and what a profoundly true concept that you have to channel and focus your attention. If we go back to discussion one of the 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 idea of of getting yourself emotionally regulated versus deregulation to hold on to light and joy and connection. There, my parents did love me. You know, they did actually leave somebody to care for me that was wrongly imprisoned. Mm-hmm. You know, I do have these close friends. I do have Dumbledore. I do have. Uh, the other female professor that's fantastic and wonderful, the old lady, I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have these people McGonagall. around. Yeah, I have these people around me. But but he's able to channel that, and that's what chases off the dementors in, in a powerful way. And in those moments of great de- emotional deregulation and stress, that's what we have to hold on to. We have to turn to the moments and memories of attachment or, as per our previous conversation in episode two, the idea that I am good and lovable, that I'm worthy of this joy and love, and that that becomes what can chase the dementors away. Because you can be, you will be demented. So then the the, the dementor, if we kind of bring in episode two or, or what we talked about last time into this, the dementor would be the that uh, narrative, that that negative story of trauma, right? Yeah. And then, because we are vexed by it, right? The it, Patronus would be vulnerability. It would be the new narrative, the truth the, yeah. of the value that you are worthy of love, mm-hmm. regardless of what difficult things happened, regardless of what difficult discussion decisions you've made. So then, does vulnerability fit into that? Yeah, I mean, how can you cast the spell? Yeah, if you don't allow yourself to connect right because you stay fixated and it's 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 such a powerful um so vulnerability leads to healing it's just not empowerment easy no it's do. not it's not easy to do but what look hey man like what's the alternative being vexed by a dementor yeah <laughs> that's yeah. the other thing that's really fascinating right like do you see I, it frustrates me i'm gonna be honest clients i love you but it's frustrating like I try, and again, this is another thing that's really hard to articulate in the therapeutic process. Is like, look, you're vexed and and demented, not mm-hmm. you're demented, but you know, a dementor is yes. vexing you, mm-hmm. this trauma, and the antidote is something scary and hard, but like you're already going through something hard. Yeah. And you think it's harder, you believe it's harder, but like Actually, it's not because when you do that hard thing, like it works, like really it, it, it works. It does, but it's scarier. And it cannot work sometimes. So I think- It does not work sometimes. It, it does. And People I think, do betray you. People don't show up for you sometimes, but that's not every time. I mean, yeah. if you're surrounded by decently healthy people, which most of us are to some degree or another, they're, they're going to be people that are going to fail you sometimes. They're not going to fail you every time. Yeah. And I, the thing is, it's, it's scarier- because getting to the healing 
Well, because you get re-traumatized, right? Addressing, yeah. Yeah. Addressing vulnerability. It means allowing, allowing a risk to happen. And that's scary, right? Because what if I risk that and I'm told the same thing again? Or yeah. I'm told yeah, I'm bad again. You could. And and you think about it, some like well, it's sometimes it's like, I can't do it again. Yeah. I can't do it again. I did it once, I can't do it again. But here's the thing though, but you're experiencing it right now. It's sure. not even in again. It's like, well, you're living from it. Like, right. Sure. Especially when I've worked with people who have been horribly abused, well, right? Well, the thought is I'm living with the story that I'm not good. Right. It can't get worse than that. Besides, if I try to say, hey, I don't feel like I'm good. And then everyone else agrees I'm not good. At least but you're living the story. Living you're living the story anyway. I agree. I agree. Right. It's like, come on, people. But, <laughs> but you're living it inside. Yeah. You're not living it in reality, right? With like you're not facing someone, it down at the store. Yeah, like I'm not going. I'm not going to the person I love the most in the world, or need or hope that they'll yes. like me, or and affirm. trying to say yeah, what I'm hard. thinking. That's scary. I'm keeping it inside. That's scary, right? people. I get it. We're it afraid is. to. But here's the thing. But here's the thing. It really isn't harder. And here's the thing that I no, think. Hold no. on. So you're here's right. the yeah. thing. Here's the thing. If you do it. And it goes horribly. You can say, "Hey, at least I I did it. Yeah, like I opened my mouth. I engaged it. I yeah. attempted to repair. I attempted to connect. I I put my trust. I tried, and then I did my part. And yeah. then then you can let them. And that's hold- the goal, right? To yeah. get them there. Yeah. Or really for any of us, it's not even just a client therapist oh, relationship. Yeah. It's yeah. any of us to get. We're just there. therapists. We can't think outside the therapist box. You mean people solve these problems in their lives without therapy? <laughs> Is that possible? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> no, it's, uh, I think so. Well, that's the power of the stories. I think that's why the stories are so powerful because you see, oh, yes. wow, they did it. And they're a superhero or whatever. But it's like, oh, maybe I, I can dare. I can channel. I can... I can internalize the archetypal hero. Like, cause we need, yeah. we need an example. Like, cause if nobody's setting an example for us, mm-hmm. then, I mean, that's why the mentors are so important. Miyagi and, um, and, uh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, for me, there's a couple of key things. I think for, for, for me in my life, vulnerability leads to a position of connection, which then allows me to hear or to perceive, or to understand something that I may not have been able to in the past. And mm. I think with Harry and Luna, that's what happens. Is she starts Luna, with you vulnerability. Really, you, had a, you had a profound experience with she, this Luna. Well, and she start, well, because I think that's something that happens that allows him to yeah. do what he does. That's cool. That's cool by thought. saying, yeah. hey, see me. Yeah. I don't think if he had that experience i don't know that he would have been able to have the courage to say something no I, i'm going to i'm going to disagree with you a little bit because tripled. i think i think i think the the shining characteristic of harry is to one degree or another his courage right like his moxie like his you know it's and i think it's kind of like well nothing's worse than 10 years under the stairs sure. so yeah, go ahead, Voldemort. Like, yeah. I'm a wizard. My parents were, they didn't die in a car accident. I have somebody, right? So let me ask you this. If that's true, why wasn't he reaching out to Hermione or 
to any of his friends in that, to Ron in that space. They kept saying, "Hey, hey what's are going you on? okay?" And he wouldn't. Yeah, what but was he going did on to Luna because uh, oh, I think she he, came to right, him. Well, right, you know, you're right. Yeah, because there is an aspect of the fact that they didn't go through that with him. Yeah, and so, so she was vulnerable. She and they connected. also have like they have a romantic opened, thing going on a little bit. Yeah, it opened his ability to hear conceptualize something, to hear see. something right great point. and then that set him up so i don't know that he would have been able to do it with dumbledore because he wasn't doing it with with hermione or with well, Ron. he needed to with dumbledore he did he needed to he and, did. and it just it, it bubbled up right like in this moment yeah. of tiredness and stress and he's just like but we may be getting too nerdy into harry potter i don't know if it's really well it's that just the metaphors but it's this cool. is what we're taking well this is what's <laughs> cool about stories it's like you don't have to like our version of the story yeah. this is what we've gotten out of seeing these metaphors in action yeah. and there might be other there are lots of other ways to look at it that's what's so cool about it i think i think that vulnerability shame is something that you could talk numerous podcasts on i mean yes. Brene brown has um, immense amounts of research on on vulnerability and shame and so i don't know that we've done it all the justice that it deserves but i think that there's definitely a lot in let me throw you a curveball prisoner of azkaban and i don't know how in touch you are with the story to kind of grab this but what do you think about what do you make of snape so snape i mean he's a hero you have you have harry seeing right you have harry so harry gets upset basically and instead of trying to block Snape, he intrudes into Snape's mind. Well, at some point, like he's got to see. Well, that's interesting. What do you make of that whole sees thing? This trauma. Because essentially, what he's battling with is is Snape is is trying to fight his way into his subconscious, right? So I don't know. Is Snape is Snape dealing with um, trying to 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 help someone because snape's a good guy but also dealing with this trauma of uh or the shame of man i really want to hate this kid because his dad was not very nice to me yeah it's a total bully to him right yeah that's rough right it's so, such a complicated relationship right because he had this he has this almost i don't want to say i don't know the books how it's but it it's, appears in the movies like it's almost I mean, well, it's it, it's really the unresolved love, right? Yeah. You, I mean, because his mom seems like this wonderful character. Mm-hmm. She was nice to him. Yeah. There was a bit of, you know, a hope of a relationship there. And then she was enthralled with Harry's dad. And so yeah. Snape, you know, resents Harry to the degree that he reminds him of all the things of the dad. Yeah. But then there's something there that's her. But what do you think about him as a, as a character? First of all, I want to say that Alan Rickman, rest in peace, was just amazing well yeah alan rickman is good i think he's in just, any character dude he's just one of those brilliant unique actors and i yes. just love i loved him and everybody's gonna hate this hate this i loved him in robin hood with oh, kevin no. costner yeah. which is terrible right but he was fantastic mm-hmm. he was i mean he's really like just his tone his presentation the way that he represented characters in such a unique and like impassioned way was just so freaking cool like even watching number five the other day i was like dude who delivers lines like that yeah. like you just pause and his his ownership of the character is just so cool yeah i like think snape, snape is, so is a cool. great character and i mean so what do you make of snape as uh you know like in the story you know as this guy that is really isolated right 
Yeah. But also deeply committed to, I mean, it's, I mean, to me, you know, he, he becomes a, a, I mean, he's a sacrifice. He is. He sacrifices himself um, to open the door to protect Harry, to protect, yeah, to you purpose, know, to his, his devotion to his yeah. mom. Yeah. It's so cool. I think it's really powerful. I think that. But yeah, um, but I mean, like, it's so tragic in one respect too, because he's like alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know it's powerful. It hits me hard. I think so too. I don't know. I don't know that I have other thoughts on that. On. Yeah. I'd like just Snape's a cool character. character. Yeah. yeah. I like his character, cool character a lot. And All I right. Think that it is powerful. Any other uh, closing thoughts and more to say? Do we need to? Um, I don't know. I mean, vulnerability is essential. You can't have these opportunities connection without risking it. You absolutely can lose a limb. You yeah. know, it, it doesn't go well sometimes. Yeah. But but the 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 thing that 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 we have to work to not to take away is just because it didn't go well doesn't mean I'm not worthy of love and belonging or that I'm flawed. Though there could be, I mean, because you know our experience with other people and things not going well teach us something about ourselves. Yeah. And we have to be vulnerable and look in the mirror and say, is it my pride? Is it my selfishness? Is it my lack of empathy? Is it my you know, my agenda, is it my flaw, you know, and, and engaging that is, it takes courage to really yeah. look and, and be able to look into the shadow, Young's look into the shadow and really connect with the dark places of yourself. And if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, that's the price you pay to, for the hero's journey. You know, if you're going to become capable and useful to your family and your community, your spouse, your kids, you have to be able to be honest with yourself and other people about your failures. And that's hard, man. Yeah. Like who wants to do that? You know, we want to think we're all good or good enough. And we are, but we also have to have the courage to go, yeah, this is a real trouble area for me. I'm really sorry. And you do real work on it, right? Yeah. But it's the thing that's really interesting, though, is it's connected to trauma usually always, right? Our biggest character flaws are always connected to trauma, right? Yeah. I agree. Okay. Thanks, all. That's episode number three, man. That is. The uh, prisoner of my own head. And uh, we'll be coming out with number four. I hope you're enjoying. Ring us. Yes. Drop us a comment. Let us know. Send us a message. Give us a topic. Give us a movie. Ooh, Ooh a movie request and a Ooh, topic. That would be cool. That would be really that cool. Be really but cool. you know, this is where this is going. Is Universal is going to be like, "Hey, <laughs> we just dropped a movie. Will you guys watch it and talk about it?" Yeah, that's where this is going. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or we're going to talk and like eighty people are going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's fun. cool too yeah i'm still having fun, I have fun yeah. we talk about it anyway might as well yeah. record it we yeah, have we these conversations well. <laughs> might as well tape it <laughs> this is what our friendship looks like we talk about these it things does, anyway. yeah we talk about so, all types of stuff might as well just t- tape our conversations we should record more of them or maybe yeah yeah we should not maybe <laughs> all right good times folks yeah, thanks we all. need like a signing off we don't have a signing off bye bye